The following is a presentation of AOW Productions. This program contains adult content. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed by the host of this program do not necessarily stand or reflect those of this station or its management. Bringing you controversy at its best with uncensored music, comedy, and political discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Outlaw Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outlaw Radio for the 22nd of May, 2021. I'm your host, Bad Billy. Got an interesting show for you this week. Uh, For the first hour, we'll be hearing from Dan Happel. Haven't talked to him for about a little over a year. Going to be talking about the Red Pill Expo in Rapid City, South Dakota, which I will be attending. Yeah, that's going to be June 6th. Normally, I would have the anniversary show by then, but it's going to be posted on the 12th the following week. We'll have the anniversary show. And uh, who's to come? Well, I'm talking to a few people and trying to get something something good uh, together for the 6th anniversary special. And uh, in the second hour... Yes, uh, bringing back uh, one of the AOW classics. I said I was going to do that about uh, once a month. It's, uh, well, that time is due for May. And in 2010, I spoke with uh, who is now in the WWE, uh, the Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler. So we'll hear the interview that I conducted with her back in 2010 when uh, pretty much everything was being recorded over the phone. Yep. And third hour, I'm going to be speaking with the icon, Stephen James. Yes, he is back this week. And uh, we're going to be discussing uh, uh, Bonnie and Clyde's situation that led to, just say, uh, watch the movie uh, Highwaymen with uh, Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson. And uh, a lot of questions came to mind and felt that it'd be a good discussion. Anyway, before I get to that, I want to go ahead and cue. This is Madison Risen with Amazing America. Be back with the interview with Dan Happel right after this. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. And now, from a rented basement, because Bad Billy's mom threw him out, it's Outlaw Radio. Challenge or a fight Nature provides God gives the rights We're Americans 
thrill seeker rocking out to the station i hear you you're probably even sipping on a drink right now an average blah blah drink in a can or bottle one that doesn't quite hit the spot for you i'll bet you want something different don't you something more take your shot with cold cock whiskey the best whiskey anywhere why because it's different from other liquors cold cock whiskey is herbal whiskey 100 all natural herbs blended with aged american whiskey no more morning after sugar hangovers from other liquors. With Cold Cock's blend of herbs, including green tea, hibiscus, ginger, eucalyptus, and more, you'll be in herbal heaven. Cold Cock Whiskey, available at spirit stores and distributors America-wide. Find one near you at coldcockwhiskey.com. Follow Cold Cock Whiskey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Celebrate those special moments with friends. Raise your glass. Take your shot. You must be 21 or older to drink Cold Cock Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Because there are some people out there who need practical advice. And yes, I'm talking about you. Wisdom beyond value from the desk of Mr. Holland. Though it may make sense, an at-home DNA test is not a good baby shower gift. Ooh, is that Mr. Holland? Yes, ma'am. Please don't touch. In 1664, John Milton responded to the English Parliament censoring of book publishers by saying, Give me the liberty to know and to speak freely. 
Over 300 years later, there are citizens in countries around the world who are striving to gain this fundamental right. Freedom of speech is more than just an American concept. It's a universal human right. This message is brought to you by the NAB Education Foundation, the Broadcast Education Association, the Cormac Foundation, and this station. First, there was Cranked Up Live. This is Cranked Up Live. Then, Cranked Up went Country. Today's best and tomorrow's greats. Cranked Up Country. Now, Cranked Up Live is back. This is a sizzling hot podcast. Cranked Up Live. Curtis McKinney and Brad Hennington will keep you listening, keep you laughing, and keep you coming back for more. Convicted felons will no longer be called convicted felons. Do you know what they want to call them, Curtis? No Justice-involved individuals is what they renamed them. Listen and download the podcasts at crankeduplive.com. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash crankeduplive. Cranked Up Live. Some material may not be suitable for children under 18. Hey, I'm Nick. And you're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we say what the fuckity fuck we want. No exceptions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard Amazing America by Madison Rising. And as I said, I have the interview with Dan Happel. So that means uh, we're going to kick off the show with Outlaw Radio Conservative Talk. Outlaw Radio, conservative talk. I just want to tell you that America is the greatest place on earth. We will make America great again. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go and by what route and how fast. Outlaw Radio, conservative talk starts now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for this edition of Outlaw Radio Conservative Talk, it has been at least a year, I think so, of since uh, Dan Happel has joined the show. Dan, how you been? Great, buddy. It's uh, it's it's really good being with you. Uh, we've got so much to talk about. There's so much going on and so much to talk about. I really look forward to this. Absolutely, absolutely. Well. The main topic of discussion, and like you said, there's so much going on. Uh, Biden's just making a complete mess, uh, as uh, some people would say. <laughs> and I keep it classy when you're on, but uh, what, what do you say? Cluster Foxtrot. We'll just say that. That's what's mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. Well, you, you, I don't know if you heard this or not, but uh, uh, Joe Biden has been... Uh, uh, declared an honorary Chinese citizen because of all the great things he's uh, done to promote uh, communist China. They've uh, they've made him an honorary citizen, and uh, his uh, uh, Chinese name that they've uh, given him is Cha-Ching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's very interesting you bring that up, too, because... Um, when I had uh, uh, Mike Velarde on the show last time, uh, he the way he explained it to uh, between Bernie Sanders and uh, 
and Joe Biden was that uh, the re the reason why one thing I I hate to say this but I it's and it's really scary for me to think about but if it would have been uh, Bernie Sanders I have a feeling he would have beat Trump fair and square without all this cheating because he's he's a very good smooth talker and knows how to coax you into communism but the thing is he's he's too obvious a communist whereas uh, Joe Biden you know they they could uh, kind of sweep his communist I ideology under the rug until the time was right. What do you think? Well, I think that uh, very well may be. I, I, I don't know as I would agree that, uh, that um, uh, he could beat uh, Trump on a fair and honest election. But the thing with Bernie is that uh, he's not controllable. And, uh, you know, with, with Biden, I think the reason they wanted Biden in is because he's, he's about the closest thing to a mindless nitwit that uh, ever walked the face of the earth. And if you're going to be the uh, power elite and control the new world order, uh, what a perfect vessel for uh, promoting the stupidest ideas in the world and getting away with it with somebody that will... Go along with anything as long as uh, as long as you got his handle where you can pull his handle and uh, put in a little bit of change. You know, and uh, just just looking at his uh, staff too. I mean, uh, for uh, Hunter Biden, um, he thinks Hunter Biden is smart. Uh, then then we got <laughs> Ra- Rachel Levine. I'm going to say this. I don't care. If you're transgender, gay, lesbian, straight, whatever, it's about getting the job done, which is why I am I am showing support for uh, Caitlyn Jenner. I don't care if that's a transgender. That person knows that Gavin Newsom has done a number on California and knows something needs to change. So, you know, so yeah, um, that's that's why I've. Hey, why not give that person a chance? I mean, wh- what more damage can be done to California? Well, uh, that's a good question, but obviously uh, they're they're testing the limits, aren't they? They most definitely are, and you know the whole LGBT, ABCDEF, whatever is has turned mm-hmm. against Caitlyn Jenner because she stepped up and said that, uh, hey. It doesn't matter what you feel like you are on the inside. If you're a, if you're a boy, you don't belong in girls' sports, and uh, obviously that's raised waves with the LBGT community. That they're and they're they've turned against her or him or whatever, you know. Yeah. But yeah. you know, and like I said, it's not. It, I mean, your cho- your personal choices uh, don't reflect me at all. It's it's about getting the job done and getting the job done right. So. And that's what I'm looking for. And I was so skeptical of Trump at, in the beginning because I wasn't sure if he could get the job done right. However, I was going to choose him over Hillary. Then, in the end, I realized I didn't. I my I didn't regret my vote at all. Yeah. No, I, I don't think most of us did. And I think that's why the the actual vote numbers, according to Mary Fanning and Alan Jones, who have actually i done the research uh, for the movies, uh, Absolute Proof and Absolute Interference and Absolute Science uh, have uh, both uh, 
told me on numerous occasions that the real vote tally for Trump was uh, well north of 80 million, and the real vote uh, tally for Biden uh, before the the cheat, uh, before the big steal, was somewhere around uh, a little less than 60 million. So you know, there's there's uh, there's still hope for America. Uh, I think that. Uh, I think that Biden, though, uh, the fact that they had to go to such great lengths to uh, steal the election is just a tragedy in American history that is not like anything we've ever seen in the history of this country. And uh, God only hope uh, that, you know, we survive this. Absolutely. Now, um, before we get into uh, the main topic of discussion, too, is uh, something I want to bring up to you, Dan, that uh, I've brought up before. I've even called John B. Wills and told him about this. But as you know, I uh, I lived in Las Vegas for five years. I moved there actually in May of 2008 is when I moved there. And uh, for... For the beginning of the time, what I had to sleep on a friend's couch until I got a job saved up and got my own place. You know, I'm sure a lot of people have had to do that uh, wherever, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, and I did exactly that. But I was there for two weeks when a representative from a, a company called Acorn approached me and asked me if I was registered to vote. And I said, no, I, I only just got here. I've got Tennessee ID. I only just got here. Well, you live here, right? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, then you're you're eligible to register. And so he gave me the form. I and I put my friend's address on it and everything. And uh, sure enough, I I kid you not, I was registered to vote, and I did uh, cast my early vote that year too. But uh, you know, shouldn't I have had at least six months to a year? get myself established, get a Nevada state ID. I mean, doesn't something sound off, sound odd about that to you? Well, the whole thing is, is uh, really a, a, a way of uh, scamming the system, uh, gaming the system. You know, uh, they, what they've done is uh, they, they've created uh, something that used to be a real legitimate process. You used to have, uh, for example, you had to show a utility bill or some form of payment uh, with an address on it with your uh, bill to you to show that you were actually a legal resident there. Um, you know, there were a lot of things like that. They've gone uh, completely away from all that. Frankly, they don't care what you are or who you are. As long as they can get your vote, uh, you know, you could be... Uh, walking on four legs, and as long as you had the ability to to uh, agree to uh, sign, put your signature to something, they'd go ahead and figure out a way to make it happen. Uh, the whole system right now is predicated on uh, completely unviable, uh, unauthenticated system that is meant to uh, game the system. It's just that that simple, Billy. Well, let's look at Las Vegas itself. We're looking at a huge tourist trap where where uh, hundreds of people come in every day from uh, nearby Los Angeles, Orange County, and, and even other parts of the country to spend a weekend, gamble, and have a good time. 
So you got to think, you know, they approach the tourists. Tour, and you don't have to you say, you know, I'm from, I'm from here or there. Oh, okay, you can still register to vote. So you get people from like nearby Los Angeles is a really good example. Cast their vote in the morning. And then uh, I think I'm going to take a three-hour drive to Las Vegas and go gamble a little bit and go cast their vote again. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's. Uh, I have to tell you that uh, the uh, Las Vegas vote. Uh, if if you take out all the illegal, uh, you know, all the the scams that were part of the voting process in Las Vegas, uh, it actually looks very clear that uh, Trump won the state, and um, you know that turned up time after time after time all over the country. There was a uh, uh, a video that that came out, and it was verified by uh, Alan Jones and uh, Mary Fanning that this actually occurred this way. That before the big flip that they did uh, that changed the outcome of the election, that the uh, German people actually saw an announcement uh, on uh, American only news. That uh, and it showed the actual counts and how the uh, counties had, had come across. And at that point, Trump had 410 electoral votes uh, compared to 128 for Biden. Yeah, I saw that too. And in fact, it showed that uh, Trump actually won the one state that I had thought he had no chance of winning, and that was California. California, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I believe it. I really do because uh, you take a look at what's going on in California now. This recall election of uh, Gavin Newsom is not an accident. It's not a uh, an anomaly. These people are pissed, and uh, they're pissed because their state's being stolen right out from under them, and all the crazy programs of the leftists who've been in charge in California for the last 10, 15, 20 years, it's all coming home to roost. And the people in California, the, the, and I'd say the vast majority, not just conservatives, but the vast majority of intelligent, normal people are recognizing that they've lost their state. And uh, they're fleeing the state of California in droves. I mean, they're coming to Cal. Uh, to, Arizona to Montana to Idaho, yes. anywhere they can go to get out of the state. And the thing is, it's sad about that. The jobs aren't there to support them, and they don't even care. They just want to get out. Well, get this, too. I, I lived in California when I was uh, you know, entering my teenage years. I was 14 when uh, George H.W. Bush went up against Michael Dukakis. Obviously, um, that was the last uh, election that I could not vote in because four years late. Four years later, I was uh, I, I I was eighteen and uh, that was I cast my first vote. But uh, this is what I remember, is because I couldn't understand politics to the fullest. But I remember 
people in California were laughing at Michael Dukakis. They thought he was a joke, Mm -hmm. especially at the debates when he was asked if Kitty Dukakis was raped and murdered, would you seek the death penalty? And he said no. And people thought he was out of his mind that he'd be too soft on crime. Bush was the man to vote in because, you know, he's coming off the heels of Reagan. Of course, Bush himself was a failure, I'll admit, but still, he, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm thinking today, Dukakis would have won hands down considering the woke society we're in now. At least, Yeah, in all likelihood, he probably will. I mean, I can't, uh, for the life of me, figure out how people like uh, Nancy Pelosi and Barbara Boxer and all these oh. weirdos uh, just get reelected and reelected. I mean... You've got to be nuts to uh, reelect people like this. And, and of all things, Nancy Pelosi being the Speaker of the House, I mean, she can't even carry on a, a normal, intelligent conversation. You know, they, they talk about Biden being simple-minded and having uh, uh, cognitive issues. I've never heard her say anything that made a damn bit of sense, uh, at least for the last 10 or 15 years. And uh, all I can say is how in the world would they put a, a nitwit like that in, in the position of being the, the, uh, the leader of the House of Representatives? Well, taking the words from the great J.R. Ewing, I think she learned that vodka doesn't smell so strong on your breath. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think she pickled every every cell of that uh, limited brain a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving right along, though, uh, the main thing I want to talk about is Red Pill Expo coming up um, in Rapid City, South Dakota, June fifth and sixth. This is this is a good one. This is a good one. Uh, enlighten us a little bit more about this event coming up. Well, I'll tell you, it's going to be a fantastic event. It really is. And I, I know, I know. You hear that every time from everybody that's uh, uh, promoting any kind of an event. But we've been doing these now for five years. This will be our sixth event that we've done. And every year they get better. And this one is I think we're going to have somewhere between uh, seven and 800 attendees as well as uh, many thousand live stream uh, uh, pay, pay for events um, as well. And we've got a list of speakers that blow your mind. We've got a beautiful venue that we're going to be doing this at. It's the uh, uh, Mount Rushmore Convention Center. It'll seat. Uh, I think somewhere north of uh, 2,000 people. So we've got plenty of room. We've got a beautiful venue. We've got an amazing uh, group of speakers. And we've got uh, the ability for people to take this event in. And then uh, because of the wonderful location in Rapid City, they can go uh, on vacation, they can take their families, they can go sightseeing, they can see Mount Rushmore, uh, they can see a number of national parks and monuments within uh, a few hours' drive, uh, not just Mount Rushmore. And on top of that, they've got uh, the time of year is going to be perfect for this kind of event. It's going to be 
uh, good climate, not too hot, but it's going to be warm enough. And I'm telling you, this is uh, this is just a fantastic event. We've done these things uh, six years or five years in a row. This is our, our sixth event. Uh, John B. Wells is going to be our master of ceremonies. I believe his wife, Brindy, is going to be uh, working with him on that. And uh, John B. did our first event in Bozeman, Montana, and that was uh, back five years ago. And I know he's looking forward to this event because I think we're going to have the biggest crowd we've ever had at one of these events. They grow every time we do them. We had uh, 630 in Bozeman. We had uh, close to 700 in uh, Jekyll Island just this last fall. And I think this one, in, in all truth, we could very easily go over a 1,000 people. I have no doubt about that. Uh, Where did you say the other one was? Uh, uh, Jekyll Island. We did one in, uh, in October. Uh, Ed Griffin said, well, you know, this is the 25th year of my uh, original publication of the book, Creature from Jekyll Island. And so we got the idea, well, let's just do an event in Jekyll Island, Georgia. Well, this was in October, and even with all the lockdowns and all the silliness going on with the uh, uh, COVID-19 face diaper routine and all that, we had uh, 600 and like 670 people with um, uh, virtually no one wearing a mask there. And uh, lo and behold, uh, we didn't have any kind of a super spreader event. Um, as far as I know, nobody that was at that event uh, caught COVID-19. If they did, it certainly wasn't a, a, you know, a big deal. And uh, we're going to do the same thing. That's one of the reasons we chose South Dakota is that the uh, governor, Christy Nome. Uh, said, we're not going to make people wear these, uh, these face diapers, these uh, crazy masks, and uh, we're going to leave our state open. And as a result, it was a perfect choice to be locating an event like this. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, uh, it was uh, the end of last June, uh, almost a year ago, that uh, – my good buddy Gordy Schroeder put on uh, Highway 30 Music Fest uh, just outside of Twin Falls here, which uh, him being able to pull it off at that time was a complete miracle because it almost didn't happen, as you know. But he set up uh, hand sanitizers. There was no mask uh, mandate. Uh, it wasn't mandatory yet, even though, and there were very few people that wore them. And, of course, when the big acts like Chris Jansen hit the stage, there wasn't very much social distancing. And uh -huh. guess how many confirmed cases of COVID came from that three-day festival? I would imagine somewhere around zero. Zero. Absolutely zero. And like I said, yeah. I mean, towards the end, nobody was social distancing. And Gordy, I liked his phrase, uh, what he said, you know, we've been existing all this time. It's time to start living again. And, of course, yeah. as for me, I caught covid uh, like three months later, and that would that was really no big deal. I've been sicker than that before. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, I've had I've had common colds that were worse than that. I just 
you know, I had a, I had a sore throat. I had a bit of a headache to start with, and then I, I lost my sense of smell for about a week, and that was it. I mean, mm-hmm. getting sick is just a part of life. It's not pleasant part of life, but unfortunately, like death, it's inevitable. It's going to happen, and uh, you got to, you have to cross that bridge when it, when you get to it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, you look at uh, statistically, and I'm doing a, a radio program on my podcast uh, uh, on terrestrial radio. We've, we've got a program on Sunday with Mary Toko, who is going to be one of our speakers at the event, incidentally. And uh, we're talking about COVID-19 and the vaccines and, you know, how they've created this uh uh, well, what I consider just a complete nightmare out of something that uh, really should be treated very much like uh, normal flu season. If you take out, you use the CDC's own numbers and take out all the uh, other comorbidities, and they have to have at least two other comorbidities, you take those out and uh, the number of COVID-19 deaths are minuscule. They're not even a decent flu season. They have to jack these numbers up to the ridiculous level that they do to scare the hell out of people and get them to go along with taking these bizarre vaccines that have nanochips, RNA, DNA modifiers, hydrogel, uh, AI, they've got all these things in them that don't belong in a vaccine, but they damn sure belong in a computer or maybe in uh, some kind of a, uh, a weird uh, uh, transhumanist environment. You know, I'm catching some heat on Facebook, which I think is great because uh, I see all these stupid uh pictures of these people i got my vaccine I'm like okay so i decided i i put up my picture and i have an arch over my head that says i will not take the covid vaccine <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and i'm yeah. i'm not well, going to do it well that used to be free choice uh billy that that was uh you know that was a normal thing i mean that's free choice if you don't want the vaccine you shouldn't have to Take it. That's what's known as private property. Your body is your private property. And if, uh, if in fact, they can force you to take vaccines or, uh, you know, the, the uh, social distancing, all the things that can't, you know, tell you you can't go to church, uh, you can't do this, you can't do that, you know, just, just sit down and shut up, you know. Uh, you do what the government tells you, and you better get used to it because that's the new, the new order we're living in. Well, they can kiss my ass. I, you know, I'm. There's no way I'm gonna uh, be part of an environment where I can't do uh, what I believe is right. And all I can say is that you know, if they wanna, they wanna force this issue. That's why there's so many people in this country that are finally starting to say, you know, I've had enough of this crap. I'm just not going to do it. I agree with you 100%. You know, I mean, uh, you know, we choose what we eat and put in our bodies that way. So it's the same thing with what has to be injected unless you're a diabetic. I mean, even if you're a diabetic, you can choose not to take the insulin and put your life on the line. But still, that's your choice. 
Right, right. Exactly. Whenever somebody can tell you you've got to do something and you've got to force your perfectly healthy kids to take these vaccines, there's something wrong with the United States of America. That We are no longer the, the constitutional republic that respects the rights of individualism, the rights of private property, the rights to make choices for yourself. If we've gotten to that point, uh, then Katie, bar the doors, because if we get to the point where we can't make those choices for ourselves, we're no longer living in the United States of America spelled with a C. We're living in the United States of America spelled with a K. I was thinking more of welcome to the USSA. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. And then they, yeah. they replace our stars with a hammer and sickle, which I'm I'm not too fond of. Yeah, I hear you. Or uh, one big star and it's red, uh, you know, which is uh, to the point. I think the fact that the communist Chinese own so much of our government and now are buying up so many of our resources uh, you know, this isn't an accident. These people are smart, and they've been doing this for a long time. And all I can say, it's just tragic that we've got the kind of uh, intellectual imbeciles and uh, traitors to our cause of liberty that they would allow this kind of crap to go on. And not only allow it, but actually promote it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and of course you've got uh, BLM. Um, I haven't heard much from BLM on this matter except uh, black people are oppressed all the time, which they're not. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, Antifa have come forward, anti-capitalist, pro-communist. They've they've said it. I I am a oh, communist. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. This is a this is a communist movement. Which the, these idiots don't even know what they're talking about. They're they're digging their own grave. They, they're and they're you know we go to a communist nation. These idiots are really going to regret it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean yeah, no, that's right, that's right. See, Antifa. Most people don't realize the roots of Antifa, but it started in Nazi Germany in the 1930s as a an adjunct of the Soviet Union. And uh, it was actually a, an arm of the Soviet Union that was there to fight fascism because the, one, the only difference between uh, fascism and communism is that fascism is national socialism and uh, communism is international socialism. And the Antifa people were there to promote communism uh, and international socialism, and uh, they, you know, the the insignias, the people, the platform, it's the same today as it was in 1936 in uh, Nazi Germany. It's the same thing. Yes, yes, and yeah. I think uh, the best quote, too, when we get to the one thing that's uh, been a topic for such a long time, but yet people overlook, is political correctness. I think George Carlin himself said it best. Political correctness is fascism with manners. Yeah, yeah. 
In fact, I'm not so sure that it's got manners. Uh, I, I, I usually agree with Carlin, but uh, I think it's just fascism without manners. Uh, you know, political correctness, everything that we've been doing has been geared to taking away the rights and the responsibilities of individuals. And um, lo and behold, they come up with all these new programs, the uh, the political correctness, so-called uh, uh, social correctness, uh, social justice, all these crazy things that they come up with, every single one of them are designed to destroy individualism and to promote collectivism. And that's exactly what we're doing, uh, what we're exposing at the Red Pill Expo, because uh, Freedom Force International, the the group that is kind of the parent of the Red Pill Expos and Red Pill University, are uh, a group that our basic platform says that we uh, stand strong in the defense of individualism and the rights of personal responsibility and we stand strong against collectivism and the rights of the collective. And uh, that's why we do these Red Pill Expos. And the group of people that we bring together at these groups uh, as speakers, they all have to agree before they're even invited to this event that they believe in individualism versus collectivism. You know... If you want to take fictional stories and compare what we're talking about here, I'd say the very, very best example is uh, from uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. Look at the Borg. They are a collective, and do you really, really, really want to live like that? Have your identity taken from you and and live as a collective, and the, the motive is obey the ultimate. Right, exactly. Well, that's kind of where we're at on things. Um, Billy, I'm going to give you kind of a listing since uh, you're doing a little bit of a plug for the Red Pill. I'm Absolutely. I'm going to give you a, a listing of some of the folks that we've got uh, speaking at this event. Yes, please um, do. As you know, John B. is going to be our master of ceremonies, and everybody knows who John B. Wells is. But uh, he's bringing along his wife, Brendy, and uh, there's going to be a lot of talk about how uh, communism has been eating away like a cancer at America. Uh, we've got Dr. Uh, V.A. Shiva, Shiva Ayadura, and he is the uh, famous MIT uh, inventor of email, and he's also... Uh, probably the world's renowned system scientist. Uh, he's just an incredible guy. He's got four degrees from MIT, uh, several of which are PhDs. And uh, he ran for the uh, state Senate, or the U.S. Senate, I'm sorry, not state Senate, U.S. Senate in Massachusetts against a Republican candidate uh, with the idea of unseating uh, Hiawatha. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, and uh, when he ran against this virtually unknown individual uh, for the Republican primary, he encountered an amazing amount of vote flipping and things that went on with the voting system on Dominion machines, and he actually has 
a lawsuit in the in the court system now that is uh, one after another going through the court system and he's winning every single time. And it's going to help expose the level of deceit and the level of vote fraud that came out of uh, the voting machines in Massachusetts with the idea that he's going to use that same information uh, to expose the presidential election, the general election that happened in November. Um, We've got uh, people uh, like uh, G. Edward Griffin, as everybody knows, G. Edward is the uh, writer of The Creature from Jekyll Island and probably the patriarch of the freedom movement. We've got uh, David Martin, who has worked with uh, Mickey Willis on the Plandemic 1 and 2 movies. He's going to be talking at our event. Uh, we've got David uh, Rasnick, a PhD, invented uh, uh, the analysis system for uh, biological change theory, and uh, he's going to be talking about AIDS and the vaccination program and what a uh, complete disaster that whole program has been and, and why it scientifically can be proven wrong. Uh, we've got uh, Christian Gomez from the uh, John Birch Society. He's going to be talking about the uh, uh, different uh, media programs to promote socialism and communism worldwide and what we are facing as a nation against this. Um, we've got a, a Mary Toko who's going to be on my program this weekend. Uh, she's a a lady who understands the entire VAX program from top to bottom. She's been dealing with this since the mid-90s, so she's one of the true experts in the country on the vaccine programs. Um, We've got uh, people like Richard Gage, uh, architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, is going to be uh, one of our presenters at the program. Uh, We've got a number of legislators from around the country are going to be part of a panel on how to uh, don't fight City Hall when you can be City Hall, how they can, uh, how people can run for political office and be successful, how constitutionalists need to take over our country and bring it back. Um, And so that's... uh, you know, that's only a sampling. We've got uh, Jerry Day, who is a uh, uh, expert on 5G and on smart meters. He's going to be talking at our event. Uh, Andy Kaufman, who is a uh, uh, psychiatrist and a psychologist and a trained uh, consultant on all sorts of uh, medical devices and has actually led up uh, companies that have invented and patented different medical devices. I mean, we're covering the gamut, buddy. This is uh, this is going to be quite a program. And all I can say is that uh, it's going to be a two-day event that will be as good or better than any that we've held before. And uh, I just look forward to people coming and joining us and, and seeing what we've got. Yes, Yes, there's going to be another uh, young guy that uh, I, I like listening to him when he speaks, uh, Alex Newman. 
Oh, Lord. Yeah, I, I don't know how I forgot Alex. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Alex Newman. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Alex Newman is our next George Washington. That young man has uh, more intellect and more ability than virtually anybody I've ever met. And uh, he's going to be one of our speakers. He's also, uh, incidentally, the uh, the uh, curriculum coordinator for the Red Pill University. Uh, Alex is uh, such an incredible young man. He speaks seven languages fluently. Uh, he writes for the New American Magazine. In fact, he's their senior uh, senior writer now, senior editor uh, with the uh, New American Magazine. And he writes for the Epoch Times. He writes for any number of national magazines on uh, on constitutional issues. Uh, anyway, yeah, Alex is going to be one of our uh, primary people at the event. I don't know how I forgot him. Uh, that's just a stupidity on my part. <laughs> yes, and I do apologize there. I guess the uh, Facebook Messenger had uh, had to ring. <laughs> So, um, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, we're just about out of time for this segment. Um, but uh, before uh, we go to the upcoming music set, Dan, won't you uh, go ahead and give a plug uh, for yourself for your radio show, and also, uh, more importantly, for the uh, Red Pill Expo? And if somebody can get tickets, how can they go about doing it? Well, if you're interested in getting tickets for the Red Pill Expo, and do it soon because we really seriously are. Uh, getting sold out, but go to redpillexpo.org and sign on to that site. It's got a, a great location where you can purchase tickets. You can get information about the event, about accommodations, about uh, the area around Rapid City and some of the other things that people can do and see. Um, as far as my program, I do a uh, program twice weekly on the Patriot Soapbox called Connecting the Dots with Dan Happel. I also do a program with uh, Dr. Alan Keyes on IMTV out of Nashville, and I do a program with them twice a month as well as other uh, frequent uh, spots with Alan. Uh, doing commentary. So uh, busy. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, supposedly retired, but it's a busy life for a retired guy. And all I can say is, uh, folks, it's time to stand up and be counted because we're losing our country. Unless you're part of the solution, you're going to be part of the problem. Yeah, doing nothing has consequences it's all on its own right there, too. So, yeah, if you're doing nothing, you're definitely a part of the problem. Stand up, say something. Even if, if you can't physically uh, do something, to st- uh, get, you know, start a podcast and talk about it. Start raising awareness. Do what you can. Exactly. Exactly. There's a lot out there. Uh, I'm going to do a plug, too, for um, even though it's people from Probably a lot of people outside of the state of Montana. I'm going to do a plug for the Montana Daily Gazette. Uh, look that, uh, that newspaper up because they've got a newspaper that is blowing every other paper. In fact, it's got a bigger 
subscription list right now than all the other papers in the state combined. It is free. It's a uh, open blog uh, or open spot for um, terrestrial newspapers, and it is um, it is free of charge, and it reports real news, not the phony crap that you have to read uh, in the mainstream media. All right, yeah, I agree. Anything else but uh, CNN or MSNBC? Ugh, <laughs> I'm not even going to get go yeah. there. That's another conversation right there. But, uh, Dan, I'm going to be at uh, Red Pill Expo. I look forward to meeting you in person. I look forward to the event. Uh, look forward to Rapid City because there's, you know, there's uh, going to be a lot of good sightseeing and things like that, you know. So just looking forward to the whole thing in general. Well, I, I look forward to seeing you there, uh, Billy, and I thank you for the opportunity to uh have a, have a chance to plug the event a little bit on your uh, fine radio program. I appreciate uh, all you're doing, and all I can say is that it's going to be a fun event. Uh, let's look forward to seeing you in about two weeks. Absolutely. Absolutely. See you there, and uh, good luck to you. Well, thank you, sir. And you have a, a, a great rest of your program, and we'll see you in two weeks at the Red Pill Expo in Rapid City, South Dakota. Redpill.org is the site to go to if you're interested in attending. And redpillexpo.org. And uh, please join us there, and we'll have a great time together. Absolutely. All right. Take care. All right. Thank you, Billy. And there you have the interview with Dan Happel. Time to kick off the first music set. Coming up, we have Tom McDonald, going to be followed by Charmin. Then we have 3D in Your Face, New Breed and Jesse Howard, and Lola Black. Be right back after this. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. You're listening to Outlaw Radio, and if you don't agree with our opinions, then fuck your mother. Hey, do you kiss your girlfriend with that mouth? Kids for our planet. Entire generation offended at everything, getting mad that a human thinks all lives matter. We don't need black or white or left or right. What we need is common sense. We need balance. We're all in the same boat. Why you trying to make holes? If they sink, we sink. This is madness. I'm offended that you're offended by me taking offense. Trump can't build a wall. Why does your house have a fence? I believe in two genders. I'm not mad at the rest. I'm just confused when a dude has a beard and some breasts. We won't always agree. No, I don't hate all police. No, I don't think that the system's racist. I just think the system hates people. Oh, I think fighting violence with more violence is what they want Viruses and riots, people dying, we won't stay home Black lives matter, all lives matter, what's all this division for? It's modern segregation, this is setting up a civil war Burn the circus down, cause the world is full of clowns They're all stupid and they're proud, painted smiles on their mouths with bozos, homie, I can't be around you Anyone who knows me knows my feet don't fit in clown shoes 
When I was a child, the only races that we hated were the ones that we ran and didn't win. Then we stopped playing with each other, started hating on each other, started noticing the color of our skin. Christians and atheists, immigrants, patriots. We love the country, but we are not saving it. Wages don't raise to the rate of inflation, and half of the country hates all of the nation. It's funny that we think the world owes us something. All the phones got smart, but the people so dumb. We care more about the likes on a selfie than our moms, and the only time we ever speak the truth when we're drunk. We won't always agree. No, I don't hate all police. No, your thoughts and opinions ain't facts, and they are not defining my reality. No, I think picking sides divides. It's probably what has got us here. United States is great regardless. That's what we forgot in here. Black lives matter. All lives matter. What's all this division for? It's modern segregation. This is setting up a civil war. Burn the circus down, cause the world is full of clowns. They're all stupid and they're proud. Painted smiles on their mouths. I don't hang with bozos, homie. I can't be around you. Anyone who knows me knows my feet don't fit in clown shoes. They tell you be yourself and then they judge you on the internet till everybody hates you for it. If Jesus was alive, I swear to God that y'all would cancel him. Cause lately being negative's the real new normal. Yeah, if you're thick, you're fat, you're rich, you're bad, you're poor, you're black, you're white, you're whack. They lie, it's facts. My generation needs a bunch of free condoms. Cause common sense ain't that common. This is what they wanted. This is how they planned it. This is to control every want on the planet. Then we put each other in caskets, protest and panic. And they take advantage to manage the damage. We won't always agree. No, freedom doesn't come free. No, there was people fighting, dying overseas. So that you get that freedom and be home. I think the elites are real, but they ain't drinking baby's blood. They're creating chaos so they have something to save you from. Black lives matter. All lives matter. What's all this division for? It's modern segregation. This is setting up a civil war. Burn the circus down, cause the world is full of clowns. They're all stupid and they're proud. Painted smiles on their mouths. I don't hang with bozos, homie. I can't be around you. Anyone who knows me knows my feet don't fit in clown shoes. What will you do when you finally win the lottery? I'm going to help starving children in foreign countries. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm going to indulge in every whim and then learn to hate myself like a real rich person. I'm going to go on a sex tourism trip around the world. Nebraska, Thailand, I don't give a shit. I'll be tearing up ass globally. Start dreaming. Play the San Andreas State Lottery and have all your fantasies come true.
One Sunday morning after church, the preacher was shaking hands. A little boy walked up and said, Can I please talk to your preacher, man? He said, My daddy left my mama and me, and it's been a couple years. And my mama's boyfriend don't like me much, especially after a couple of beers. Sometimes when he hits me, I close my eyes real tight And I wish that place you always talk about was real with all my might Is heaven real? Cause I can't wait to go I can't wait to go I can't wait to know how heaven feels Is there a Well, the preacher man didn't know what to say And before the little boy turned and walked away The preacher said, son, would you like to pray? Right there, the little boy hit his knees And he cried out, Lord, help me please Cause I don't know how much more pain I can take And he looked up with him tears in his eyes he said, preacher, man, I don't want to die But I just want to know if there's a better place Is heaven real? Cause I can't wait to go I can't wait to go I can't wait to know how heaven feels Is there a place Where there's no more pain or dying Preacher man got a call Little boys in a hospital Doing bad and a mama's Boyfriend's running from along When the preacher Walked in the boy's hospital room A little boy whispered Can you see him too There's an angel standing right beside You preacher man Now I know Heaven's real And I can't wait to get there
There is no other feeling than strapping up or grabbing those kettlebells, grappling on the mat, or doing some shadow boxing, getting knocked down, getting back up, throwing strikes, and then doing it all over again. So when you hear someone scream, gear up, you better get ready because it's just you, your Hunter Athletic Gear, and the voice telling you to train harder. No matter how much experience you have, Hunter Athletic Gear stands with you all the way. Their products are engineered for utmost comfort, protection, and speed. Battle after battle, Hunter Athletic Gear is the brand celebrating your victory. Hunter Athletic Gear has a range of great training and fight gear for men and ladies, including compression pants, fight shorts, hoodies, vests, caps, and bikinis. They can create custom branded ranges for your gym or business. Visit their website at huntermma.co.za. Gear up and let's train. What news and information are your media dollars buying when the narrative is prescribed by the advertisers? Scripted lies, media brainwashing, and thought control. Take back your voice. Take back our media. But most of all, take back our First Amendment. Subscribe to Caravan to Midnight today for hard-hitting commentary free from political correctness and media bias as I and some of the most intelligent and interesting people on Earth delve deep into what really lies beyond the headlines. Three to four hour un interrupted and uncensored information join our ctm family today join the movement join the fight for freedom and independence caravan to midnight is media for the people by the people independent of commercial obligations or influence for less than a cup of coffee per month you can make a difference let the people fund the next news network help us grow help us create a platform where we place freedom of speech and thought first join the family at caravantomidnight.com Rapid City, South Dakota. Gateway to the historic monument at Mount Rushmore. Blue skies, open country, a friendly and healthy population, and Red Pill Expo 2021. June 5th and 6th at the Monument Convention Center in Rapid City, South Dakota. Can't make it to Rapid City? Not a problem. The expo will be live streamed and archived should you miss any of it. Red Pill Expo is the major public event of Red Pill University. The mission of the expo and the university is to bring together world-class experts to set the record straight on fake narratives, fake history, and fake news at each and every Red Pill Expo. Truth seekers unite to get a better understanding of how the world really works, a world where collectivism reigns. It's time for individualism and an open mind. Mark your calendars and make your plans now to attend Red Pill Expo 2021. Get more details and register today at redpillexpo.org. Mark your calendar and make plans now to experience Highway 30 Music Fest 2021, June 23rd, 24th, 25th, and 26th at the Twin Falls Fairgrounds in Filer, Idaho. With good food and drink, country music, Americana music, rock and red dirt, there's something for everyone. Artists performing Thursday, June 24th include the Casey Thornton Band. So Kimberly Dunn. Shane Smith and the Saints. Please keep waiting till Oklahoma City calls our day. And more. Sponsors of Highway 30 Music Fest 2021 include Bish's RV, Donnelly Sports, and Swire Coca-Cola. Have a great time while helping organizations and families in need. Highway 30 Music Fest will take place rain or shine. To order tickets and for more information, visit hwy30musicfest.com. Yo, 
drink my fat man in an overcoat? Fuck the shit, fuck the fucking shit, fuck shit. You're listening to Outlaw Radio. Now buy a sewing machine, take it home, and cram it up your ass. Fuck shit, the shit, fuck shit. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Coldcock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take your shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, gear up, let's train. And USAC, the United South Africa Coalition. Go to USAC.center for more information. The songs you just heard, you just heard Lola Black with Break Me. Before that, New Breed and Jesse Howard, Little Boy and the Preacher Man. Wow, what a song, uh what that's about uh, try watching the video without shedding a tear seriously uh, before that Charmin with I drank myself to bed and starting off the whole set Tom McDonald with Clown World and boy when uh, he performs he writes down lyrics he makes a lot of sense with uh, what he's talking about all right so just in a little bit I'll play the AOW classic interview with the Queen of Spades Shayna Baszler uh, before I get to that, it's time to reveal the Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week. And ladies and gentlemen, the Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week this week is Tora Bright. Yeah, she was a contestant in the uh, Winter Olympics. Yeah, she's from Australia. Now, what has she done so bad, you might be asking? Well, I don't really care if women have to publicly breastfeed their infants you know they cover they use a blanket or something cover up babe baby's got to eat i understand that that's not something i take offense of but here she is uh, almost completely naked just wearing a pair of underwear standing on her head as her baby is crawling forward to suck on her nipple. Um, if the baby wasn't in that picture, I'd say that's a very hot picture, but just, you know, that's fucking inappropriate. This is, this is almost like child porn, if you ask me. This really, really <laughs> brings, yeah, this, this is disgusting. And you almost feel dirty for looking at it. Wow. Anyway, uh, I won't forget about that. Yeah, if you want to see more, go to Twitter at Outlaw Radio ABS. And, yeah, oh my goodness. All right, so it's time for the AOW Classic interview with the Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler. This was back from uh, March of 2010. Yes, I did. Uh, my production work was all done over the telephone and uh, one. Uh, yeah, uh, it wasn't Adobe Audition, but another sound editor that I used used to use. I've forgotten all about it because I'm so used to Adobe now. Um, but uh, yeah, I, this was before she was a contestant on the Ultimate Fighter and entered the UFC, and uh, this was uh, before the WWE actually. So, without any further ado, I want to go ahead and cue the interview that I did with Shayna Baszler. Digging deep into the history of AOW Productions. This is an Outlaw Radio AOW Classic. 
Joining me this week, I am honored to have the Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler from South Dakota with me. How are you doing? Pretty good. Having a good day so far. Hey, that's great. <laughs> anyway, uh, on with the show. I um, want to talk a little bit first right now before we get into a little bit of the past. Let's talk about uh, what's coming up next week for you. You're in a, you're in a big tournament right now. Uh, for, uh, I believe, the women's 135-pound division. Uh, you've advanced uh, last month. And uh, t tell us a little bit about this tournament you're in. Well, um, it's a, there's, it's an eight-woman tournament. It started as an eight-woman tournament. Um, all of us are really experienced and pretty, you know, pretty well-known in the female fight world anyway. Uh, so it was a really good tournament. Um, the first round was uh, the last weekend of January, uh -huh. and um, round two now is next week. Um, I'm fighting Jen Tate next, which I think, for me, is, you know, as far as the girls, the way the girls looked last round, she was the one I was most impressed with. So I think this one is actually going to be a better fight than the final, honestly. And this, and this is going to be a rematch, right? Yep, so, I mean, I watched uh, your first fight with her, and uh, really impressive how you just took it to her, took her to the ground, and got that arm bar. Uh, before, we'll get into that a little in a little bit, but uh, first off, um, i got to ask you, uh, what got you involved in uh, mixed martial arts to begin with? Well, um, you know, I my dad and my uncle wrestling coaches, and... Uh, I always grew up around wrestling. I really had no interest in it. <laughs> and um, I just knew about it from being around it. And they had some local amateur fights one time. And the girl that was beating everybody up at the time was a boxer. And she was beating up everyone else who happened to be, you know, brawler, street fighter, tough guy, or tough chick. Uh, you know, what you see at those local amateur events. And I knew that if I knew how to wrestle, that she wouldn't know anything on the ground. I just knew from, you know, growing up around wrestling or whatever. Uh, so I started training, wrestling, just take her down, and that's all I would do, just to fight her. And then I ran into these guys that knew submissions, um, started training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu a little bit, uh... You know, and the I actually never ended up fighting that girl, but I kept taking fights, hoping that girl would show up again, and she just never did. But I kept getting bigger and bigger opportunities, and just you know, ran into Josh Barnett, and he started teaching me some catch wrestling. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Yes, um, I feel uh, as uh, Mac from uh, Fight Nation. By the way, uh, you ever get a chance? Check that out at five seven five eight zero two eight three six four. That uh, he feels that uh, catch wrestling has been forgotten for a long time until Josh Barnett came around. Uh, how do you feel about a statement like that, since that's a particular art that you're training in? Yeah, uh, a lot of people have, you know, a misunderstanding about what catch wrestling is, I think. And um, I agree. I think Josh uh, has brought that more to the forefront uh, simply because I think he's more vocal about it. There's a lot of things that... You know, catch wrestling is actually an older art than Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu even is. I mean, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, as far as the martial arts world, is a pretty new art anyway. But um, 
you know, the a lot of the moves, a lot of the techniques are that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uses are catch wrestling submissions, but they just rehash it and call it something different. Which I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those people that's like catch wrestling is the ultimate and the original and blah blah. blah. I'm not getting into that argument because every art has. Um, the same time, you know, karate has a front kick, which is a teep kick in Thai boxing, which is a, you know, whatever. Every art has that, but um, I don't think people realize that catch wrestling has been around for that long, and it's not something that is brand new, that catch wrestling fanatics try to jump on his wagon and whatever. Um, I think it's just, it's really important to Josh uh to to know where your history comes from. So um, when I started training in catch wrestling, and really the big difference between catch wrestling and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is the philosophy of the strategies, uh, not as much the techniques. They're, you know, it's a little bit more violent and mean, I guess. They do a lot more, I'm going to shove my forearm bone in your nose and make you turn your head, as opposed to, you know, a Jiu-Jitsu mindset would be more like, I'm going to wait for you to make a mistake and turn your head and then take advantage. Catch wrestling is like, I will make you turn your head and then I'll do something to you. So so a more aggressive approach to to that aspect then is a good way to describe it. Right. And it's, and it's a lot more wrestling-minded. You know, if anyone's ever trained with wrestlers in wrestling, they're, they're a lot more aggressive in their training anyway. It's, you know, if you go into a jiu-jitsu gym and cross-face somebody and neck crank them, that's bad. Everyone will be upset. They'll try to kill you. Whatever. You know, you go to a you go to any high school wrestling gym. They're doing that to each other every day. So it's just normal, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. I I understand what you're talking about right there because uh, before I came here to Vegas, I was training in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and I was trying to pass somebody's guard by uh, using a can opener on them, and uh, I kind of got chewed for that because they said, "Oh, we don't do neck cranks like that." It's like Oh, okay, but uh, right. So, but uh, so you know, uh, with the schools I'd trained in before myself, we we actually did use the can opener to pass the guard. We did talk about catch wrestling a lot. So, mm-hmm. so basically, you can say I I myself have had a little bit of training in catch wrestling, but uh, never really given it that much thought. And but anyway, um, so. Also, I've seen you see in many of your fights, uh, you're bringing a guitar to the ring, and uh, are you also a um, musician as well? Yeah, I, uh, ever since I could stand pretty much, I was played the cello my whole life. I was doing cello lessons and doing the youth symphony thing, but then when I got to, like, I don't know, junior high age, you know, I was like, cello is nerdy, I want to be a rock star, so I started learning guitar. And yeah. uh, I guess I do both now. <laughs> so, so you're currently in a band, band as well, or any something like that? Um, I have a. I, I wouldn't say I'm in a band, but there's a group of us that get together and play together, and we've been playing together ever since high school. So, you know, and we all went away to college and did our own thing. Uh, and just happens every now and then when everyone's in the same area, we get together, and the chemistry's there that we don't really have to. Uh, do a whole lot where we can just, you know, hey, the local whatever bar downtown says we can play there next Wednesday. Okay, cool. We'll get together a couple times and put together some stuff. And, and kind awesome. of, yeah. 
Now, I've got to ask you, they call you the Queen of Spades. How did you get that name? <laughs> well, I actually am a really, really, really big hobbyist when it comes to sleight-of-hand card magic. Uh, and I did this particular trick with the Queen of Spades, and Josh started calling me the Queen of Spades when he first was hanging out with me, so the name just kind of stuck. I think actually my first fight... Um, that they called me that was him telling them behind the scenes to, to, that my nickname was the Queen of Spades and it just kind of stuck. And it's kind of cool. Uh, the spade is like the death card, so it's pretty... Awesome. Uh, it, yeah. yeah, I've seen uh, like the paintings of you on your uh, on your MySpace. is just awesome the way they have that set up, too. Yeah. Kind of like the ancient Roman uh, gladiatorial. <laughs> right. Yeah, anyway... I've got to tell you, I've seen you pull off some of the nastiest submissions, like the the one in Elite XC. I can't I can't remember the Japanese girl's name, but uh, basically you suplexed her, and then uh, the, on Sure Dog it says you beat her with a twister, yep. and then obviously you beat uh, the last person in the tournament with a twister. Then of course the nasty, nasty. Uh, arm lock you had on Roxanne Modafferi. Um, first off, though, explain the twister. Explain what that is. Um, it's just a, that's a, a, in catch wrestling, it's the Cobra Twist, and uh, freestyle wrestling, it's a guillotine, actually, it's called. Um, it's just a pin, really, from a leg ride, uh, but you can, it's a spinal crank um, that just Twist, twist the person's lower body one way and their upper body the other way. Uh, it's kind of flashy. Um, Eddie Bravo kind of uh, made it popular in modern day sub- submissions. Um, and if you look up, you know, old catch wrestling and pro wrestling stuff, it's Cobra Twist. So it's been around for a while. It's just uh, it kind of got lost and forgotten. And then it, because it's so flashy, a lot of people don't it's not as applicable in some people's minds, so they kind of throw it out right away anyway. But uh, it's something that, with wrestling, that leg ride is something that I do all the time. Um, so people just kind of fall into it a lot of times. And uh, uh, I want to talk, since I, I've had uh, Roxanne, I had her on the show back in November, and uh, she had nothing but good things to say about you and the Talk, talk about this this fight. Uh, she caught you good, and she said here on the show that she really doesn't have a striking background, but uh, I don't know. She showed some pretty good striking in that fight. She caught you good, but, but yeah. however, you uh, you rebounded and, and got her, <laughs> like I said, with a nasty arm lock. Right. Yeah. She. Um. I mean, a right cross is a counter to a low kick, and I was, you know, I just started getting into striking seriously and I didn't um I just kept my head still and threw that kick and that's like something you never want to do in striking at all ever is keep your head in one spot and 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 all that but she she got me and I'm you know you're on one leg and off balance anyway so I wouldn't say that it rocked me like dropped me because it rocked me it was more she hit me good and I was off balance and I just ended up um, not that she didn't hit, you know, throw a good straight yeah. right at the right time, but I mean, 
it wasn't like I was woozy and had to recover. You know, I'm not that awesome, so. I but, understand that. Uh, but, yeah, and then uh, it's funny because that was the first time I'd ever hit that submission competitively. I've been working on it in the gym, kind of just goofing off, but it just kind of happened. Um, and I call it the swing. It, it probably is something else back in some ancient, I don't know, catch wrestling or jujitsu history or something, but the Shana wing, the swing. <laughs> so. Yes, yeah, I mean, uh, there's. I've never seen it done in any other fight by any other person. So, you actually, uh, I, I got to ask you this. You know, that's something original for you. And how does that feel? Um, you know, it feels pretty good. I like to do. I mean, people that have watched my fights and stuff, I like to do a lot of submissions like that. That that aren't because everyone trains for armbar and triangle and. Kimura, you know, everyone trains for that stuff. Um, I actually, the truth is, a lot of times I like to watch old pro wrestling highlights because not as much nowadays, but back in the old days and in Japan, pro wrestling is a lot more realistic. And so the submissions, although they're just for show, you can watch, you can look at it and say, okay, so obviously he could just do this and get out so how do I stop a person from doing that so then I figure out how to make the submission work and then I kind of go backwards like okay so how would I get here um, yeah. so I actually a lot of those submissions are from watching I mean I have a lot obviously that I do in the gym that I, I you know people never see that are crazy pro wrestling submissions that, you know, how do I, it's, the hard part isn't the submission, because a lot of times the submission is real, it's how do I get there, and people write it off because the submissions, they have to do it in a safe way, because it's all for show, so it doesn't look real, you know what I'm saying, so, exactly, I like to do stuff like that, because how do you train to fight me on the ground when you have no idea what I'm going to do to you, you know, exactly, so, now, uh, yeah, as, a, as I said, you know, there's only two really unique submissions that I have seen, and that was one of them from you. The other one happens to be from uh, Frank Near when he fought Pete Williams with the uh, reverse Kimura. I'd never see, I don't know if I'll ever see that again, but that's the only time I ever saw something like that, and pretty sure that's something uh, I would not be surprised to see you pull out of your arsenal one day is something like that. <laughs> yeah. That's the type of stuff I like to do, though, the stuff that people people tap and they're like, I don't even know what just happened. I don't know how I ended up there. Like, that's a lot more satisfying to me for some reason. I don't know. Yes. Now, uh, you got to, like I say, you got a rematch up against Jennifer Tate, but last time you fought her, uh, I hate to say it, but you made it look easy. You you took the fight right to her, got mount, got the arm bar, and it was, that was the end of it. Um that was in Elite XC. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about that. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with uh, her inexperience being on a big card. You know, I think she was probably pretty nervous. I'd, I'd been there before and done the whole thing. Um, but I really, you know, it's not a secret to everyone that I love the ground. Um, so that was kind of just the deal was... Oh, absolutely. We were gonna we were gonna take her to the ground, and once it got there, it just I don't know. It just kind of happens. It's not something you plan, you know, but it just happens. 
and I think she was a little nervous and maybe her head wasn't it because I know she's a lot better on the ground than than you see her be in my fight she had even she submitted Tanya Avenger like she has some submissions and she does some grappling tournaments and and stuff like that so I know she's decent on the ground it just I think it just overwhelmed her all the circumstances you know mm-hmm. so I think it's going to be a little different this time she, I know she's out like I think I'm her only loss if I remember correctly I guess I don't know for sure but I know she um, is looking forward to her to the rematch to get redemption or whatever, and I think it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit different fight this time, but I think it'll end the same. So. Well, I'm looking at her record right now on Sure Dog, and you're right. Uh, you're the only person that so far that has beaten her. Yeah. So, uh, I'll know how it's gonna go. Uh, you're gonna give her her second loss, or is she gonna get revenge? We'll find out next week for sure. And I want to talk about uh, the people, the the girls that you have fought. Uh, I want to let our listeners know, I mean, whether you've won or lost, you have fought some very credible fighters, and I mean very credible female fighters in the women's mixed martial arts. You, I mean, you you fought and beaten uh, Julie Kedzie, who I've seen, uh, I was down there at the very first Elite XC in uh, Mississippi and watched her take Uh. on... Gina Carano, which I was very impressed with her even when she was defeated in that fight. Uh-huh. And, uh, of course, you you lost to Amanda Buckner, who is a very ta- talented fighter. But uh, I'd have to say your, your, uh, the loss uh, on your record, uh, probably people would know you most for, is uh, our Strikeforce champion, Cyborg Santos. I mean, you had the pleasure or maybe displeasure of fighting her. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, you know, we met up in Elite XC where it was 140, which is moving up for me and down for her. Um, that was her first fight back in the U.S. I think it was her first fight in the U.S. I shouldn't say back in the U.S., but um, I still feel like. I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there that'll listen and shake their head and whatever, but I still feel like I could have won that fight. Um, but I had a lot mentally going in and uh, just a lot of... Uh, I'm not making excuses. She's phenomenal and she deserves to be champion. But I had a lot of stuff going into that fight and it just it definitely showed in my fighting. And I mean, you know, people that have seen my other fights and they I usually fight... Um, could probably, I mean, can see it. I'm pretty sure that well, there was just something different going on. So, I, no, I hope I don't say anything offensive by this, but I kind of felt like uh, towards the end you just looked a little bit overmatched in that fight. I mean, as if, but still, that that, that takes nothing away from your credibility. I mean, who you lost to? Right, um, right. Not a, it's not a shameful loss for sure, but I think uh, for me it was a shameful performance. If that makes any sense. Oh, understandable, yeah. understandable. You know, I mean, look at the way uh, the performance that Brett Rogers put up against Fedor. I mean, I, I don't think anybody's really done that good against Fedor yet. No, he, yeah, he, not in a long time. And he's still disappointed with himself. So I think you're, you're kind of going through the same thing he's going through when you think about that fight. Right. So, so, but looking at the fight early on, you actually had good positioning in that fight too. I mean, you almost had her mounted, and 
you know, but uh, she's she's quick. She scrambled out. She's very crafty and yep. So. She's she's scrappy, and uh, I think just like I said, mentally there was a lot of stuff happening. And I think what I don't realize is how like when I go back and watch it now. I didn't realize at the time in the fight how well the first round really went for me. I mean, whether I won it or lost it, the first round wasn't a bad round at all. But I think I, I mean, I remember going back to my corner and just being, just for the first time in my entire fight career, thinking I had already lost, you know. And that has nothing to do with, less to do with how the fight was going and more to do with how my mentality was, you know, up the whole time going into that fight. Um, just with everything that was happening in my life and whatnot. And um, I think that, uh, you know, I think it was a good experience just simply because, uh, I don't know, it's it's easier for me now to go back in between rounds and actually reset, like actually take myself outside the fight and 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 strategically, you know, keep my head in the game, basically. That was the first time ever in my career that my head was completely gone. I, I went out after the first round and you can ask Josh sometime too. I wasn't, I don't even remember what he told me. I was some kind of, I don't know, I was in some kind of weird dimension or something where I was just staring at him. I was a zombie. I thought I'd, I thought I was losing the fight so horribly bad. Um, and you know, it looks like I, I get like in the second round. It looks like I just gassed, and I did, but it's not because I was out of shape. It's just uh, I learned a lesson that m- mental exhaustion translates severely into physical exhaustion. So, and anyone that's seen me fight, otherwise, you know, I went five or five minute rounds with Kaufman, um, and we didn't slow the pace down really at all that fight. I mean, I was coming in really good shape. It just that was just a good. As much as I hate it and as horrible as I think uh, I displayed myself in that fight, it was a really, really good lesson. There's lessons that couldn't be learned any other way that I learned about that fight about myself. So uh, That's quite understandable. And going back to uh, Roxanne Modafferi, I meant to touch up on this a little bit, but right here on the show... She said uh, she would like to have a rematch with you. Uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I've never, I've never turned down a fight, so <laughs> I would love to fight her again. I think she's awesome, and the best thing is, um, I really think like if if we lived closer together, we'd be really good friends because we're both into the same geeky stuff, and and uh, you know, even in Japan, after we fought the next day. We got up at like seven in the morning and she took me all over Japan showing me stuff and um went to this like amazing six story toy store and went crazy and it was just a good time. So I mean Oh, that's um, fantastic. <laughs> now uh I wanna talk a little bit about uh, you started with uh, team Mika. Was that I know that he he's based here out of uh, Las Vegas. Were you training here in Las Vegas or were you training with an affiliate elsewhere? I was training with an affiliate um, here in South Dakota. One of his, uh, he had a brown belt that was out here in South Dakota. Um, that when I actually first started training serious, meaning it wasn't just me and a bunch of friends in a garage anymore. Um, it was under uh, Team Mika, and so I would go. It was here in South Dakota, but I would I would go. 
out to Vegas quite a bit. And uh, he even had, like, um, Grappler's Quest has those five-on-five team competition events sometimes, and he had me come out and be the the female representative for Team Mika and whatnot, but uh, the, that guy ended up moving away, and um, I, I'm with this gym now, and we're actually under uh, Team Brasa, which is uh, Compridu and uh, Damian Maia and those guys, so... Ah, very interesting indeed. Um, and now, t- let's talk about uh, a little bit uh, how it go. How do you with training with Josh Barnett? <laughs> Sorry, it was plustered a little bit, but training <laughs> with Josh Barnett and and uh, how that came to be. Um, well, he he was just uh, he happened to my fight when I fought Terry Larosa in Costa Rica, and you know it's kind of funny because we talk about how. Uh, I don't know that that I know that him being my coach is where I'm supposed to be in my fight career. I don't want to get too like not in like some cheesy way, but it's kind of fate that made it happen that way because I'm not one of those people that you know I fight on these cards and there's always these big name fighters, but I'm not one of these people that's like. Oh man, Josh Barnett! Oh, I totally, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't like go up to all these fighters and be the fan. I'm, I'm a fighter when I'm at these shows and whatnot. But uh, for whatever reason, after my fight, I just lost what was the biggest fight of my career at that point in time, and wasn't too happy about it. And I just happened to walk by him, and f- I don't know why, but I just, uh, I felt like I had to say thank. Like I just was like, Josh Barnett. Hey, I just want to say thanks for your support of women's MMA, because he's always been really supportive of it. Um, he, he goes on forums and talks about it, defends us being in the sport when people get on us. Um, so I kind of was just like, yeah, thanks. And we talked a little bit and discovered that we're into Fist of the North Star and some other cool stuff. We have kind of the same interests. And at the after party, we got to talking and exchanged email and whatnot. And then uh, I happened to have a fight out in California. And I sent him an email. I said, hey, can we? is it cool if we train at your gym? Yeah, awesome. I'll help if you need an extra guy to wrap hands or something too. And went there and trained, and he just kind of fell into that role almost naturally. Where he was coaching me, he was putting me through workouts. Um, you know, he was my main corner guy. It just it just kind of worked out that way, and it wasn't forced at all. It just happened. Um, and he's been working with me ever since. So uh, now, now Josh is a big man. You know, he's a he's a big dude, and uh, he's his training with him uh, helped give you an advantage over over some of these uh, women that are much smaller than him. Uh, does that give help giving you some kind of advantage in in your fights? Well, you know, um, I think that beyond his size, it, it gives me an advantage because of the skill set. Like, obviously, if Josh wanted to, he could pick me up with one hand and chuck me across the room and you know, crush my skull with his two fingers or whatever. He's just bigger than me. But he knows how to train. He trains, you know, a lot of other females. He knows how to train with smaller people. And he's not, he knows that training for a fight is about, like, if I'm training for a fight, it's about me. It's not about him beating the snot out of me and me figuring it out right then. It's about me getting my stuff to work. So he's good about, uh, you know, obviously I... (laughs) If I'm grappling with Josh and I get a single, 
in real life, I'm not going to be able to pick it up and run the pipe on him and all that stuff. But he'll let me do that to him, but not in a way that makes me feel like he's letting me do it. If I do it wrong, he won't let it work. If I do it right, it, it works. You know what I mean by that? Uh, so so I think base. he's a really great coach in that um, technique-wise, it has to be perfect with him. Or, so or yeah. You make a mistake on the technique, he's going to let you know somehow. Oh, but yeah. He's going to pass your guard, he's going to get mount on you or whatever and then tell you what you did wrong and tell you to do it again, basically? Yes, exactly, exactly. Tell me why, you know, say, so was that fun to be punched in the face with me on mount? Here's why it happened, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, and at the same time, you know, CSW has a lot of really skilled guys and girls that are my size to train with, and uh, he'll put... You know, he'll put me up against those other people and 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 tell me why stuff didn't work or why stuff did work and what I did wrong and right. So, um, it it CSW and training with Josh is is a really good situation. So now I got to ask you, who out there? Um, you got your upcoming fight with Jennifer Tate, but uh, who out there would do you think you'd like to fight? Um, in the tournament or, or just, just anybody in, in general? Yeah. Well, um, I'd like to fight uh, Sarah Kaufman again because I think I can beat her. I think I did. I think I strayed from our game plan that was working so well for whatever reason. <laughs> um, and I think that uh, uh, Sarah and I talk, and <laughs> we're really fun with each other and whatnot. So I think that'll be a fun fight to do again. I think she's going to win the title, and I think that. Uh, that's kind of my big goal right now is to get back in strike force and work my way back up and get a title shot against her. Um, also, uh, Tara LaRosa is a really good friend of mine. I talk to her all the time. We hang out at tournaments. We room together at tournaments and stuff. And we're just the – her and I are the the two friends that would love to beat the holy living snot out of each other. I can't explain it. People that fight will understand it, but – we're really good friends, but we'll talk smack to each other all the time about the day we rematch and how there's just going to need to be paramedics on hand because we're just going to throw down. And it's and it's like because we're better friends now than when we first fought, it's, I'm going to try to beat her up even more. I can't explain it, but that's kind of how it is. So, And I know she feels the same, so that would be a fun one just because it would be fun. But that would probably be the two main ones. Well, we're running out of time here. I want to give you the opportunity, first off, to tell our listeners where they can uh, find you on the Internet. And uh, if you would like, go ahead and give a shout-out to your sponsors. Sure. Um, you guys, I have a fan page on Facebook. It's uh, QOS Basler. Um, and then at the same, my Twitter is QOS Basler. Uh, and then I have a MySpace, Shana underscore Basler, that I don't go on as much, but I try to hit that once a week at least, um, but I'm always on Facebook, on uh, my fan page, updating, and on my Twitter, so um, those would be the best places. Uh, and then uh, my sponsors, uh, Lethal Performance, uh, ESP Guitars, Punch Drunk Gamer, Hitman Fight Gear, uh, let me see, let me see, Brosso Tequila, Room 101, um, I think I hit everybody, hopefully. Okay. If I and missed anyone, it's because I usually have a list, and I don't have it right now. 
Bolt thrower? I kind of remember bolt thrower. So... Shana, I really appreciate your time, and it was it was an honor having you here on the show. Uh, it was a pleasure being on the show. I'm glad I finally got on. And uh, make sure you guys uh, tune in and watch my fight next week. And ladies and gentlemen, there you have the classic interview from March of 2010 with the Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler. It was awesome talking to her. But uh, I had no idea she'd become uh, the star that she is in the WWE. All right, time to go to the next music set. Coming up, we have JB and the Moonshine Band, going to be followed by G3 Rap, Mary Cutter. And then, uh, of course, I'm finding more and more twin spins, and I love it. Uh, We have two covers of Skid Row's 18 in Life, the first one by Dan Vack out of Brazil, and uh, be followed by Hydrogen. That said, be right back after this. How dare you and who in the hell fuck do you think you are? You're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we're proper gentlemen, because we always ask... Come on if I fart. You really know how to waste a Cialis, don't you? You're abusing my fan.
Isn't it time you refinanced your home? You can't take it with you. So what are you saving money for when you can spend it? There's nothing more American, more successful, more masculine than a big roll of cash to wave around. It says well-endowed. It says sophisticated. It says pragmatic. When you throw a wad of hundreds down, you own everyone in the room. And that's a fact. In this country, cash is king. So borrow some today. There's probably still some liquidity in your home. Are you insane? Get that out of there now. Spend it on a fancy tablet or mobile phone or something else that will improve your life right away and give you a real chance of success. Get table service at a nightclub playing 80s hits. Buy some second-rate expensive headphones advertised by a rapper. Let the world know all about you. We know times are tough, but they don't have to be tough for you. Come on, don't be crazy. Start spending. Brought to you by the Los Santos Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, yeah, y'all. Got cheap reroute all up in this piece. True that. Doing my thing, you know. Trying to complete this project. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's something I wasn't even going to do. Forgot all about it. But it's real. So here you go. Uh. Bringing you the real so you know the deal. It's all been. I got the hottest flavor right up to this man. Come on, off in. Bringing you the real so you know the deal, it's all thing. You know the party ain't a party till I'm all up in. I got the rhythm, rap, roll, soul control. Suckers get dissed and ate like two plus six. When I mix, you trying to copy, you sloppy on that intro. That's a tenfold copy, come again, yo. Recognize the game, in your eyes expanding. I'm on point, straight landing. Power punches and punches. You done stepped out wrong. Now you get served like lunches. My hunch is to step up and start blasting fools. It ain't simple to keep or even temper. Gotta remember what I do this for. Yeah. Lay low and shoot the automatic flow. Yeah, I know I hold the upper hand in this. But these punks out here ain't understanding it. So I lay it on the track, this bump, and then I send it. Yeah, it's authentic. Bringing you the real so you know the deal, it's authentic. I got the hottest flavor right up to this man, authentic. Bringing you the real so you know the deal, it's authentic. You know the party ain't a party till I'm all up in it. It's the Motown Mecca, uh-huh. Mike Checker, yeah. House Wrecker. What? Demo renovating and Black and Decker. Fools talking about changing the game. They boy put them on and all their stuff sound the same as lame. I ain't got to clown nobody to come up. That ain't my game plan. We like the same, man. But what we different is in talent and skill. You coming with weak stuff, I'm pumping up the real. Still, you know that ain't no thing to me. It's cool, yeah, but don't run up and get done up. You better stay on that porch where you safe. Your jam ain't so hot, now I'm up in the place. But what's up, Ace? How you gonna deal with the fact that your last hit was your last hit? What? Get it? You got nothing else coming. Not a damn thing. Nathan, not a tune in tomorrow. Bringing you the real so you know the deal, it's authentic. I got the hottest flavor right up to this man, authentic. Bringing you the real so you know the deal, it's authentic. You know the party ain't a party till I'm all up in it. 
Mega graphic when I rap on a mix, try and get with this rhyme stylist. Who you think the loudest on the microphone? You hear some other stuff and probably gets wrong. But I did that, so jump back to reality where the climate's warm. I move on and drop bombs like the brown bomber. Clearly, you can't get near me, so feel me, cause G3 gon' get paid with this. Come on. Now everybody rapping, but ain't got this flavor that could play as any cookout. When I'm on it, look out or you took out. I'm shooting from the hip, but aiming for your dome. So watch your back or you're gone. This ain't no game and I don't play. And yeah, I know some of y'all ain't feeling what I say. Well, too damn bad. Uh, I ain't asked your permission. My intent is to win. And I'm all up in this. <laughs> yeah. Bringing you the real so you know the deal. It's all bad. I got the hottest flavor right up to this minute. Authentic. Bringing you the real so you know the deal. It's all bad. I got the hottest flavor right up to this minute. Authentic. Bringing you the real so you know the deal. It's authentic. I got the hottest flavor right up to this minute. Authentic. Bringing you the real so you know the deal. It's authentic. You know the party ain't a party, so I'm all up in it. Uh.
In South Africa, genocide of white people, black-on-white violence, is rampant and ongoing. The South African mainstream media has kept this genocide hush-hush, and South Africa's politicians have been silent about it. It's time for the silence to end. Enter USAC, the United South Africa Coalition. USAC Incorporated comprises groups and individuals around the world working together to create public global awareness of the genocide in South Africa and to develop community restoration programs that will make South Africa a safe place for all races to thrive. To join USAC and for more information about USAC and what you can do, visit USAC.center. That's U-S-A-C dot center. USAC, working to bring back a safe, truly unified South Africa. This is the Renegade Show. You have three different scenarios here, and I'll give them to you. No, I said scenarios, not Cheerios. Coming to you coast to coast and around the world on your favorite radio station. How did you get Cheerios from scenarios? All right, it's time for the Renegade Pick of the Week countdown. Here we go, counting it down all the way to number one. Who farted? Yeah, we like to welcome you to the Renegade family. Does anybody even remember Dookie Hauser? I think it's fair to warn you that by listening to this show, you're committing a misdemeanor in four states. Three children are asking their parents where babies come from. Two children run away, and one mother ends up crying by the end of the show. This is the Renegade Show. Go to Facebook.com slash Radio Chris Master to find out days, times, and stations of where you can catch the Renegade Show. Left-wing community organizers and campus radicals in Idaho want to indoctrinate Idaho kids from cradle to college, teaching them hate America propaganda, that white people are inherently racist, gun rights are evil, and it's okay to swap genders. Idaho state representatives will vote soon on Senate Bill 1193 that would give $6 million to a leftist organization that teaches this nonsense to Idaho's youngsters. You can stop this. Join Idaho Freedom Action to put an end to this leftist takeover of education in Idaho. Visit IdahoFreedomAction.org. Join the fight against Idaho Senate Bill 1193. Visit IdahoFreedomAction.org today. IdahoFreedomAction.org. Support Outlaw Radio and friends and buy some cool stuff in the store section of OutlawRadioABS.com. Show the world how much you love Outlaw Radio with Outlaw Radio t-shirts and hats. In the CTM store, a service of Caravan to Midnight, find items to help make your life easier and better, including water purification by Berkey, delicious long-term storable food by My Patriot Supply, the New Eden Nutritional Support System, the Ionic Toothbrush System, a better way to clean your teeth, the Invisible Mask, a negative ion generator, that hangs from your neck like a pendant that mitigates incoming pollution. The high ion bio key quantum scalar energy pendant, EMF mitigating fabrics and clothing, and some really cool infrared night vision binoculars. In the Cranked Up Coffee Shop, a service of Cranked Up Live. Entertain your taste buds with coffee that even the aficionados love. Some of the best blends from around the world, including Serato and Grindhouse Brew. Visit outlawradioabs.com and click on the store link. A service of Outlaw Radio and AOW Productions. Shut the fuck up, bad 
of a nondescript building in a little hick town. This is Outlaw Radio. I'm not in the mood to deal with you today, you stupid asshole! All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Cold Cock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, gear up, let's train, and USAC, the United South Africa Coalition. Go to USAC.center for more information. The songs you just heard, you just heard a twin spin, the cover of Skid Row's 18 in Life. Uh, the one you just heard was by Hydrogen. One before that was by Dan Vac out of Brazil. You got to go to YouTube, check out more of his covers because he, he does an awesome job. For that, you heard Curious by Mary Cutter. And prior to that, G3 Rap with Authentic. And starting off the whole set, JB and the Moonshine Band with Shotgun Rifle and a 45. All right. So it's time to get to the next segment. This is Outlaw Radio Crime Stories. The man's got a right to protect his property and his life. Outlaw Radio Crime Stories. All right, joining me this week for Outlaw Radio Crime Stories, of course, welcoming back the icon, Stephen James. What's going on, brother? What's up, my friend? Nice to be back as always. Yes. And by the way, speaking of cold cock whiskey, or whatever, I forget. I don't have the bottle in front of me, but I do have the glass. Nice. <laughs> so, um, and it's good. Yeah, indeed. So the topic of discussion is not something uh, that re- recently happened. Uh, it's uh, We're digging into the history, just like we did with combat sports discussion last week. We're digging into the history of something here that I, I really uh, wanted to discuss after watching the movie, the highwaymen, with Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson, uh, it definitely. Oh, by the way, yeah, good movie, great movie, but uh, it really had me thinking, Stephen. So this goes back to uh, Depressionary America, 1930s. Bonnie and Clyde are just running a fucking muck across a few states, admired by some and feared by some, and uh, uh, pretty much I think was J. Edgar Hoover's. Uh, First most wanted, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it was. It was either him or uh, John Billinger. Uh, yeah, because that's when uh, David, or uh, that's when um, uh, Hoover had just taken over the uh, as head of the FBI. In fact, uh, he, for a man who wanted to uh, wear wear a dress for his wife and do all kinds of kinky shit, <laughs> uh, he sure wanted to make the FBI number one. That's for sure. I thought. Maybe I'm wrong. I didn't think Hoover ever got married. I don't know if he got married. or what. I, I just know he did kinky shit, and I think with both men and women, but that's that's neither here nor there. More power to him. Yep. So, yeah, Bonnie and Clyde. Now, let's say one of the biggest advantages they have, and by the way, Bonnie and Clyde are a perfect example of gun control today. The reason why Bonnie and Clyde got away with so much is because they were able to to not only outrun the police, they didn't have to outrun the police. They outgunned the police. Back then, the police officers had 
Like the strongest they could get was maybe a 357 revolver if they were lucky, you know. And Bonnie and Clyde were getting their hands on high-powered rifles and Tommy guns and all kinds of shit. So, you know, don't you couldn't keep the hands, uh, guns out of the hands of criminals then. You ain't going to do it now. Gun control is bullshit. And they're, they're a prime example. What do you think? I mean, as always, you know, criminals don't buy guns at a local sporting goods store or a pawn shop. They get them illegally. So I, you know, I don't see the entire point. Of, I mean, a certain amount of gun control, sure. You know, I'm fine with a basic background check. I'm even okay with a couple of days for a waiting period just to make sure they, you know, got the information correct. But other than that, no, you don't. And actually, I think in this day and age, it makes even more sense for the average person to be armed. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. So, I mean, the police, you know, like I said, were outgunned. I mean, hell, they didn't have to go on a high-speed chase because they couldn't. They were dead before they had that chance. Well, that and high speeds back then were about 50 miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Bonnie and Clyde were pretty smart. So they they feel that their back is against the wall and uh, call in former Texas Ranger Frank Hamer, who's well past his prime. You know, he's an old fart by the time Bonnie and Clyde are um, uh, hit the scene. And not only that, it's a miracle that that man was even alive considering how many gunshot wounds he, he had taken in his younger days. I mean, he was shot square in the back and somehow survived that shit. Well, to be fair, advanced age was also different back then. I mean, how old was he when he was assigned the Bonnie and Clyde case? He, I believe, 50s to 60s. Right. So I'm, but that 50s, just, you know, say mid 50s to mid 60s, then would be like putting a 75 or 70 year old guy on the case you know yeah because we've the, def- we've made advances since then that's for sure right medically we're just you know we survive longer but yes he was definitely for the time and place he was an old man yes yes and of course uh, same goes uh for his partner um uh okay i gotta bring up the page because i forgot his partner's name um i believe it was woody harrelson woody harrelson yes but uh the man's name was Galt. The last name was Galt. I can't remember the first name. That's what, uh, you know, I'll have it here in just a second. Um, Manny Galt. Yeah. So, I mean, the way things were done, you know, I mean, obviously the governor's like, uh, where our back's up against the wall. If you got to bring him in and, and if you got to use brute force to do it, then you can do it. But you got, I uh, think the original deal was they get, had to stay within the Texas state lines. They couldn't really leave the state of Texas, but they did anyway. They're trying to outdo at J. Edgar Hoover, I guess. I don't know. But uh, well, well, a good majority of their crimes were committed in Texas, and Texas wanted them more than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And they were willing to put more resources than, say, Louisiana. Yeah, and all, and also um, Bonnie and Clyde also had a few cops in their pockets too. So crooked cops are are nothing new. Well, Bonnie had a few cops in her as well. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure more than one way. 
But, um, you know, so here's uh, Frank Hamer. He sees how it's done. He's, he's smarter than the FBI investigators that are doing it. He can spot out all kinds of different clues, tell you how it was done. He knew what the fuck he was doing. Not only that, he's like, oh, a little pea shooter ain't going to do the trick. They got... They got firepower. I need firepower. Goes out, get a, gets a Tommy gun, gets a high-powered shotgun, all, you know, and he gets a shitload of them, too. And to be fair, though, the FBI was also handcuffed by restrictions. That was one of Hoover's big thing with the FBI, was everything gets done 100% by the book. You know, he couldn't even have a fucking mustache. Yeah, that, that was fucking retarded. Great, he could have Victoria's Secrets on under his suit, but God forbid one of one of his staff members had a mustache. Yep, you must be referring to that one where uh, he was played by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, you know, fine actor, bad movie. It was just boring as shit. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, but I want to get to the part with how it was done. Because that had me questionable, uh, you know, and I'm looking at different scenarios, different stories of how it was done. Frank Hamer basically sets up an ambush in Louisiana. And uh, according to according to the movie, um, the, the Highwaymen, Bonnie and Clyde drove up and they saw a mutual friend of theirs having uh, car trouble. So they offered to uh, lend a hand. Frank Hamer steps out in front of them, points his rifle at them, and tells them to stick their hands up. And what they perceived to uh, be Bonnie reaching for a gun, they just opened fire, made Swiss cheese out of their car, and I'm complete massive overkill too. I mean, you you saw if you're if you're firing the gun, you can see how bad the bodies are bouncing in the car. You know they're done, yet you keep on shooting after they're already dead, which was fucking ridiculous. And, and yes then... Yes and no. Yeah. And then, uh, then taking... Dragging their car with their dead bodies in it in the middle of, of a fucking town. That was fucking retarded right there. And, and that shouldn't have been done. Uh, d- yeah, but the, again, you're looking at it through you know the eyes of today this is you know if that happened today we're gonna get have a whole other story we're gonna get to that we're gonna get Uh, to that actually that's part of what i got in mind for this conversation so let's get to that point Stephen. say it happens today step by step but it doesn't happen in 1934 it happens in 2021 and uh, nothing else has changed. What do you think well, happens? It doesn't end the way it ends at all. First off, it doesn't end with the ambush. Because in today's world, first off, you're not going to take a retired cop and have the you know state of Texas put him in charge of an investigation after he's long retired. So step one, it, it changes everything right off the bat. Step two, while they might have gone with the ambush angle, if they felt there was no other way, they would have had, you know, in the wooded area that you're talking about, you know, there was clearly trees on each side of the road and everything. They would have had snipers in the trees and things like that. 
they wouldn't have been given a chance. They would the first thing wouldn't have been you know nobody move. It would have been stop. You're surrounded by snipers. Don't move. Everything and everything would have been filmed. So any improprieties at all would have been caught on camera. Not not only by some amateur, I'm sure, but by body cams as well. So the individuals involved would have treated the situation differently. But beyond that, even before getting to that point, the way they went about the investigation and trying to capture them, the way they treated suspects uh, or witnesses, the requests for unconventional firepower, none of that would have ever happened. All right. So let's say that was a two-part question. Let's say it's still 2021 Bonnie and Clyde have have done what they've done in horrific fashion because from what I understand, uh, Bonnie would make you look down the barrel of her shotgun, smile and giggle at you before pulling the trigger. I mean that she was from what I understand, she was that fucking cold blooded. Say it uh, you know, and they continue this shit. They're FBI's most wanted. Number one, that's the eyes of the nation are on these sons of bitches. They have no choice but to ambush them with snipers, whatever, and it's and and it ends the same way. But here's the twist, Stephen. Bonnie and Clyde are black. What happens? Well, number one, black or white, it doesn't make any difference. The car would have been, you know, wouldn't have been just towed by a rope through town. It would have been placed on a, you know, a modern day tow truck, obviously. Uh, They probably would have tarped it and the bodies would have been removed after the crime scene investigation was done and placed into coroner's vans or ambulance or whatever happened to be available. Uh, And while they still probably would have rolled through the same town, it would not have been a public spectacle. Mm. But given once the news gets started, Bonnie and Clyde have been captured notorious outlaws, but they happen to be black and it happens in 2021. I have no doubt in my mind that the aftermath would be American Civil War point two has officially started. The streets would be paved with blood. It it would be a fucking disaster on in every major city in every state. You know, I kind of disagree with that. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there would be a certain percentage of the population. Um, you know, much like in Bonnie and Clyde's day, you know, on one hand, they by a certain percentage of the population, they were kind of considered heroes because they were robbing banks and people were poor then. So I get that. But also in this day and age, you take something as horrendous as murder, not just of law enforcement, but people from all walks of life they killed. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I believe but, that. Well, they you did. Know, you take a, sorry, uh, but you take a look at like uh, the DC snipers who were both black. Mm-hmm. But even black people were like, oh, thank God these assholes are caught. So I don't think it, I, you would have a certain percentage of the population, but it would not be nearly 
the protests and everything that we see with everything else, with the exception of if the ambush went down the same way and every officer unloaded, you know, that's three what clips I'm a piece. That's okay. what I'm that talking case, about. Yeah, we would have some protests then. But I still don't think it would be as much as some of the, you know, items we see in the news on what appears to be a pretty daily basis. So, so Stephen, I mean, you've worked in law enforcement. We know that. And, uh, you know, just uh, looking at the way it was done, the way it was investigated by Frank Hamer was genius. But, uh, you know, the way it was handled in the end, as a police officer, how do you feel about that? You know, on one hand, you know, it, well, I mean, his investigation was, A, yes, genius, uh, but even by the 1930 standards, B, illegal. I mean, the guy repeatedly crossed state lines. It's a good thing they, quote unquote, resisted and went for weapons because that case would have been tossed out of court in about three seconds. Oh, you uh, you arrested them where? Joplin, Mississippi? Uh, yeah, you're free to go. Yeah. You know, you can't, you cannot break jurisdiction without filing all kinds of, you know, proper paperwork and getting the proper permissions. Now, assuming he was able to do that in this day and age, you know, maybe you get to the point of the ambush. And, you know, speaking as a person that, you know, I had a partner that was shot at. And when the suspect finally did get out of the hospital, I'm the one that had to book that asshole into the jail and everything in me. I mean, this man shot at my mentor and could have very well killed him had he you know, been a decent shot. Fortunately, he wasn't. Everything in me wanted to beat the hell out of this guy. So looking at it from a law enforcement standpoint, uh, you know, saying, you know, maybe I'm one of the cops there. I understand the reason they pumped so many bullets in there. These guys killed a lot of cops. They flaunted it in front of everyone. They gave interviews to the press and were treated like heroes when they were nothing but modern day scumbags. So I can only imagine, actually I can very well imagine the rage that these cops were feeling. Plus you add in the adrenaline of the situation. Once that first shot was fired, the standard of any decently trained law enforcement or soldier, once you hear one shot, you raise your weapon and you start firing. Because at that point, it is not only about protecting the innocent, but it's also about saving your own ass from dying. Oh yeah, you got got to look out for a number one right there. You know, being a being a cop is always been a dangerous job even even uh, medieval times uh, being a constable can't tell me that wasn't a dangerous job because back then a criminal would have a dagger ready to stick in your back or in your gut so law enforcement you know has been around basically since the innovation of civilization and it was a dangerous job then and assuming we still have civilization a million years from now, it's going to be a dangerous position then. Yeah, because there's always going to be criminals. There's always going to be so, someone out there uh, who's who's just fucking 
flipped out crazy, batshit crazy, or there's, you know, somebody who can't work for a living, so he thinks he's got to go out and fucking rob and steal. And, or no, I'm not saying they can't work. I'm going to say they won't work like a lot of, there's, that's always been around too. So mention, law, law enforcement is by and large, I would say the most thankless job in the world, especially right now, because nobody is ever happy to see a cop. You're either, you know, being arrested, which obviously makes you not like the cop, even though you're the criminal. So, you know, criminals hate cops, civilians a lot of times in this day and age claim to hate cops, but they're also never, even the ones that are the victims are never happy to see you because they're naturally upset because they're victims. I've never shown up, you know, at uh, to take a burglary report and had the victim say, oh, thank God you're here. It's always, hurry up and get this done so I can file this shit with my insurance or a traffic stop. Hey, you ran a stop sign. Man, why you got to be hassling me? I, I didn't do anything wrong. There was nobody in any of those stop signs. You know, it's always, nobody's ever happy to see a cop. Yeah, I mean, especially if you got to call the cops, you're in, a, you're in a dangerous situation. You know, somebody's stalking you. Somebody's trying to bust down your door. Um, you're too scared to be happy at that moment. And... From what I understand, too, I mean, I've, I've got my guns. I've never killed a man, never pointed a gun at a man. I hope I never, ever fucking have to because... I have, and I was ready to use it. Yeah, but uh, when you pull that trigger, it's like something... From what I understand, something inside you changes. And uh, I don't want that feeling. I mean, I'll, I'll pull the trigger if I absolutely have to, but I, I just hope I never, ever do. The only, uh, well, I've pulled my gun twice, once on a traffic stop, which ended up being nothing, was not a big deal. The uh, second time that I pulled my weapon, though, I was arriving on a domestic with my partner. And we pull up, we see this woman obviously had been, you know, had the living shit beat out of her. Boyfriend, you know, drunk and loaded on God knows what else. Starts coming towards us with a freaking pipe in his hand. Naturally. So that's, you know, a lot of distance. Don't get me wrong. This guy had a good, you know, 25 yards to cover. It's a good bit of distance. And it took us just that long to get him to see reason. And he would have been dead before that had the recently beat-to-hell girlfriend not stood in between my gun and the love of her life. Yeah, had she not done that, he would have been dead, and I'm sure there would have been at least two bullet holes in the guy. One for my gun and one for my partner's. And That's another, you know, thankless situation. I agree. You have a woman who just had the living hell beat out of her. Standing in between the guy that beat her with the same pipe he's threatening the cops. Oh, and by the way, she didn't want to press charges. It was a misunderstanding. And there's one other thing. Uh, real, he, I'll go. He's go still ahead. In he's still in prison. Oh, I was just going to say he's still in prison, by the way, because even though the domestic violence was dropped, 
uh, he was attempting aggravated assault on two peace officers, so he still went to prison. Good for him. Belongs there. And uh, there's one important fact that I really want to point out, Stephen. Let's. Uh, I want that woke, politically correct bullshit society out there that may be listening to fucking know what I'm about to fucking say. I fucking hate that word woke. <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde were white. So, and we're talking about a time too where where black people were likely to get lynched if for 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 saying hello to a white woman. Talk, or, and and that part of the country too. And not, and before uh, you say anything about Frank Hamer, actually you should applaud him because he actually stopped KKK lynchings a, a few of them in his younger days. So yeah, <laughs> to be fair, you know, you mentioned, you know, um, earlier uh, modern day, you know, Bonnie and Clyde had it taken place now and they were black. The only thing is back then you couldn't be African-American and be Bonnie and Clyde because the status of the African-American people in that particular mm -hmm. part of the country, even if they were robbing banks, they wouldn't have been able to get that kind of firepower because nobody would sell it to them. No, no, good. Bonnie and Clyde had to steal that to get to get it. They didn't buy it. They uh, they bought a lot of it, believe it or not. And uh, you know, Bonnie and Clyde they bought it illegally. They 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 didn't go into the local you know stop and shop or whatever. Uh, they did, however, purchase a lot of the firepower, and they certainly purchased a good portion of the ammo. But the thing is, back in that day and age, mm -hmm. you could not be a black person in Texas and go in and buy a Thompson submachine gun or even rounds for a Thompson submachine gun without, yeah. you know, getting, hold on just a minute, and the local cops showing up to go, uh, yeah, excuse me, can you step outside? Yeah, I agree. But the, the main point I'm trying to get at, though, is... Uh, Bonnie and Clyde were butchered in the end. And so again, well, well now let me finish. I, I, let me finish. Okay. I, mean, I mean, I mean, regardless of whether it was, it was justifiable or not, they were still butchered. And before anyone can say, Oh, Oh, uh, white people always got it easy. You got white privilege. White privilege is bullshit. There. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> I don't know that it's necessarily white privilege. Uh, I, I do think there is a thing of wealthy privilege. I'd, because you you take a look at uh, uh, Lori Lotlin and her husband, Massimo Gianelli, or whatever the fuck his name is, who literally are on federal... Probation, which I didn't even know federal probation existed, but whatever, it doesn't matter. They're under, you know, supervised release at this point, and we're just granted permission to go vacation in Mexico after committing a massive fraud and uh, serving a grand total between the two of them of less than two months in jail. Mm-hmm. 
sorry, prison. But uh, so, yeah, I, wealthy privilege does exist. Yeah, I can agree that you know that definitely right there. I mean, the the movie 2012 proves that when they showed all these people getting on these vessels because they were rich, while the you know the poor people were left to crumble with what part of the earth was crumbling with. So yeah, wealthy privilege definitely definitely does does exist. Money talks and bullshit walks. But uh, yeah, especially if you're famous. But white privilege does not exist. I everything I have, I worked my ass off for. I didn't. It wasn't given to me because of uh, of the color of my skin. I worked for it. So that's the point I wanted to get to. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, I will agree that while it can still be one hell of a struggle to start from nothing and get to a decent place in life, it does tend to be a little easier if you're white. Whether that's right or wrong, I, I'm mm -hmm. not, it's not for me to say. I don't agree or disagree. As you know, a middle-aged white guy, I'm not even going to touch that. Yeah. How, however, if you're a decent, hard-working person, yeah, maybe sometimes it might be a little tougher, but eventually you'll get there regardless of your race, your religion, your sexual orientation, whatever. Yeah, you mm. might have to work a little bit harder because of some hard-headed people in this world, but you will get there. Yeah. But uh, that is all the time we have for this segment. Actually, this was a very good conversation. And, <laughs> yes, uh, Stephen, you're... you're it's good to debate with you a little bit, too. <laughs> uh, you know, me, I like a good argument. I do have a quick plug before we head out, but you, uh, go ahead and finish what you're saying. No, no, you go ahead. Real fast. You go ahead. No, I, I've got to look up a name, so uh, go ahead and finish out. Well, I'm just going to say, you know, yeah, it's time to call it a night for this show. And what's on tap for uh, next week is yet to be determined, uh, but I'll get that uh, straightened out. And it uh, looks like uh, for the anniversary show, this is uh, some news is that uh, I've been in contact with Eric Butterbean Esch, one of my favorite fighters of all time. It'll be a privilege to talk to him. So. Yeah, you should ask him about the brawl for all. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> anyway, we're going to end the show with Eve to Adam and Locked and Loaded. Thank you very much. Yeah. What's that? Sorry, before, like I said, before I had one quick plug, I needed uh -huh. to make my uh, a good buddy of mine. Uh, some of you guys know out there, uh, a little over a year ago, I lost my younger sister. And there's a great guy on Patreon, wonderful musician, uh, who does some amazing singing and songwriting, uh, mostly rock, but he can do just about anything. Uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to my buddy, Mike Serber. That's, you know, Traditional spelling of Mike, and that's S U R B E R. And anybody uh, that likes music is going to love this guy. The upside is mm -hmm. he will also write and record a personal song for any occasion that you need. So do me a favor, check my buddy out. He is just amazing. And to top it off, he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. 
Well, we've got to get him on the show sometime, too. I know you've been wanting I, me to talk to him, so. I really think you should. I think you would enjoy his uh, process in music. I think he's a phenomenal guy. Yes. But we are out of time, so like I said, we're going to end the show with Eve to Adam and Locked and Loaded. Thank you very much for tuning in to Outlaw Radio, and I shall be back next week. Are you tired of modern pop music that sounds like a dog fucking a squeaky toy? Well, that's why you're listening to Outlaw Radio. We tell bad bed music to piss up a rope. We give you our opinions, and if a fight breaks out, so fucking what? This is Outlaw Radio.
Hey everyone, Bad Billy here. Do you own a business? Or perhaps you're in a band? Or maybe you run a radio show or podcast? Whatever you do, you want to market your brand with custom-made apparel. Look no further than Fresh Baked Tees. T-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, caps, beanies, koozies, banners, and even masks. You can get them all custom-made from Fresh Baked Tees. Prices are reasonable and negotiable. Simply go to FreshBakedTees.com, submit your logo, and place your order today. If you've been searching for a show that talks about what's trending in the world, entertainment gossip, stupid news, and more, sizzling talk radio that is not dumbed or watered down, a show that is not for pussies, then you need to stop searching and check out The Charles Richardson Show. It's uncensored talk radio. No crybabies. No losers. No fucktards. Charles Richardson and crew bring it 100% with real opinions. If you can't take it, Get the fuck out. You can even call the show and flap your gums, provided you have a brain. For the 411 stations and showtimes, like The Charles Richardson Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Charles Richardson Show. Some material may not be suitable for children under 18. The Charles Richardson Show. You want some? Come get some. I know you're watching, so pay attention. You hate my freedom, my religion, and my country. You hate me for speaking my mind. You try to control me with violence and intimidation. You think you can muzzle me with fear? Don't ever confuse me for my politicians or my media. I am an American, free-born and free-bred, and I will call you out for who you are, an Islamic extremist who would kill me for my beliefs. You don't intimidate me. My freedom is more powerful than anything you can possibly do. And I will never, never surrender my rights to your terror. I will say what I think, worship according to my beliefs, and raise my children how I see fit. And I defend it all with the Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. I cower to no one because I am the National Rifle Association of America. And I am freedom's safest place. Hi, it's the Big Voice Guy. The one who intros and promos the show you're listening to right now. Hi, my name is Jim Hunt. I voice for a growing list of internet and terrestrial radio stations, podcasts, and businesses. I'd love to spread the word about yours, too. No matter if the message is serious or silly. Whether you want the delivery to be hard-hitting, voice of authority, or conversational, warm, and fuzzy. From fully produced station imaging and commercials to custom phone system messages on hold and IVR prompts, voiceovers for computer games to narrations for presentations, even post-production audio editing and audio cleanup services. Yeah, I do them too. I'm your guy. I do business as Jim Hunt voiceovers and audio services. My rates are reasonable and negotiable because I love internet radio too. Visit my website, jimhuntvo.com. I'm Jim Hunt, at your service. Put my voice and audio production skills to work for you. Let's do this. You have been listening to Outlaw Radio. Be 
sure to leave your feedback by calling 208-957-7016. All feedback is played and replied to on the show. Visit our official website at OutlawRadioABS.com. Outlaw Radio is a presentation of AOW Productions. We're here, I am sitting on a porch, writing another song. Wailing, Willie, David Allen, cool. You can't go wrong. Such great outlaw boys, just like me. Man, can't you see? Because you can't go wrong with one good outlaw song. The outlaw song. George Jones. 